0: I
1: know that human being and violence can go and get peaceful. This without finding. Petri dish.
0: Hey guys, welcome to Petri Dish. I'm Nathan. I'm Sean. This episode is astounding. It's gonna blow the lid off of everything you've been taught. By the government for the last 130 years. <laughs> you thought you inherited genes? It's a lie. Yeah. We're going to talk about nature versus nurture. Oh, We're going to talk about human nature versus goat nature. <laughs> All right. We're going to really unlock the theology behind science. alright We're going to see how God manifests his will Holy shit. in every single creature.
1: <laughs> you, are, you were very right when you said that this episode would make me very mad.
0: I didn't realize that writing the notes, but now I see it very clearly. <laughs> this leg's all about two-legged goats, guys. Yes, yes. We're gonna... Oh, how do you say this guy's name? Slipper. So guys, and thank you, by the way, to Josh for this episode recommendation, but we're gonna talk into slippery two-legged goats. <laughs> Colin the reason god is real and alive in each one of us holy shit well i guess <laughs> i guess we'll just have to get into it i <laughs> i need to stop speaking so passionately about things I don't believe in. (laughs) (laughs) It'd be nice, but... It's almost like if I was smoother... Like, like my delivery's kind of choppy, I think. Mm. And that makes it sound like I'm more genuine, I feel like. Whereas if I was, like, really smooth, you'd be like, oh, this guy pre-wrote it. But instead, I feel like the spirit coming through me.
1: (laughs) Yeah, well, I remember when you were younger, you used to give speeches in a kind of gospel sort of way. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And,
0: you know, that's... You know, given my delivery, that's almost... Like urban as a euphemism, Nathan would deliver it in a gospel way. I'll <laughs> <laughs> uh, <laughs> be like, praise Jesus, you <laughs> oh, Yeah, I mean, gospel. <laughs> Nathan is
1: an urban pastor. I mean, it's true that I was surprised you weren't thrown out of more Model UN
0: conferences, That's but true. nonetheless, was very inappropriate. You in were actually fairly successful about boy, you debates about Crimea just keep coming up, huh? Yeah, they were around in the past. They returned. Woo! Okay, why? Well, right, right, right. Yeah, we're done.
1: Look, it? We're gonna talk about two-legged goat, but then also more broadly evolution shit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Let's go ahead and do it. We're gonna
0: challenge and deepen our evolutionary understanding. Let's do it. You know, guys, the genesis of this episode was because I was texting back and forth this cool dude named Josh, and he's like, you gotta read the story about slippery two-legged goat, (laughs) right? And this episode's really exciting because it's about really big questions on how plastic or I mean, what's the best way to say this? Yeah, Yeah, it's really big fundamental questions about
1: how evolution actually works. Yeah. And we're we're gonna how, have to get into how it. How genes like, are expressed, how the
0: environment impacts them. Right. You know? I,
1: I think that basically to sum up a certain part of it without going too far ahead, yeah. when we figured out how DNA works, there was this big reconciling moment between evolution. And in the kind church. Of brought it. <laughs> <laughs> no, and the Pope! It's never the church. Um, <laughs> the, the, between evolution... Pope Francis was like, fine, it's real, but
0: no gays! <laughs>
1: <laughs> on like a macro scale, what's going on with evolution? And then all the way down on that cellular scale, what's going on with DNA, right? There's this big right. reconciling moment, and we're still sort of dealing with a lot of the fine-tuned
0: elements of how you actually bring those two things right. together. But like all great stories, it starts... With a baby. (laughs) Yes. It starts with this this little kernel, a two-legged truth. That is absolutely correct. So. 1939. 1939.
1: Uneventful year. Nothing going on in Europe. In the magical Netherlands, a goat was born. Right. Okay. And this cute little kid, as baby goats are called. Yeah. uh, Was in many ways a pretty typical one. But in a very noticeable way, this kid was different. It had a birth defect in its two front legs. That made it so it could not use its front legs.
0: Yeah, basically, so it did have them.
1: Uh they were very developmentally stunted.
0: Okay, so it had these tiny little front legs. So effectively
1: Yeah, effectively it did not have two front legs, right? Usually
0: we don't tolerate goats like that. Alright, usually we euthanize
1: goats <laughs> a, like that. A lot of farm animals <laughs> yeah. are often euthanized yeah. if they have birth defect. Yeah. But
0: in this particular case. They're they're actually frozen and put into my Costco Business Center. <laughs> <laughs> did you know you could buy just whole goat at no. the business? Yeah, you could buy whole goat it's so funny looking because you're walking it's like egos, you know <laughs> yeah, and like yeah. little beef ducks yeah yeah they turn the corner and it's a whole goat carcass headless frozen three of them on a rack wow did you buy one no, it's just, I don't, it's, I, I, it's there's, that's to a lot to of go. Goat. To, yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. I mean, I'll go, like, if your whole company wants to, like, go splitsies with me on a goat, and then we do, like, big old company B D a a day, hmm. I'll do that. See, the only issue is one person's vegetarian, so uh, I think that scraps that's the whole That's out, <laughs> that's out. I'll bring a carrot, too. Oh, nice. anyway, anyway, anyway. So, we usually euthanize goats without two front legs, but yes. luckily, yep. this Dutch couple that had the goat, they were childless. Right. And they grew emotionally attached to the goat, and the uh, you know the lady like breastfed the goat and <laughs> no, <hold on. laughs> nurtured the goat hold with on. her breast milk. This is very dangerous. So Mrs. Van G hid in the basement as the Nazis came. <laughs> you know. <laughs> You probably do need to hide this
1: goat from the knife. Yeah, they (laughs) were not. They they were not Narian (laughs) goats. They they, they were not kind. (laughs) The (laughs) two legged goats. Too many kinds of living things. So, so Mrs. Van G. milked some other goats and then
0: used that milk to feed this little baby goat. Van G. sounds like the Dutch word for (laughs) doesn't it? (laughs) (laughs) Mrs. Van (laughs) G. Okay, let's cut that.
1: So, goats are, of course, generally quadrupedal, right? They'd normally walk on four legs. Yeah. But this young goat had to contend with only having their back two legs. And right. despite that lack of two front legs, this goat learned how to balance on its two right. hind legs
0: and stand at kind of a 45-degree angle. Right. And, and from a distance, that's pretty plausible, right? You're like, okay, well, I guess it learned how to do that. That's cool. Right. And you can see,
1: you know, there's other examples of two-legged animals Figuring it out. Yeah. Right? And so this this is one of those animals. He was hopping around to move and everything right. like that.
0: So far, fun Fox News morning story, but nothing right. that exceptional. Right.
1: And so when this goat was about three months old, it was taken to the Institute of Veterinary Anatomy of the State University in Utrecht, Holland. And uh, it was there for study. Cool. And the man who would study this fine young goat was Everhard. <laughs> <laughs> there must be a way to say this in Dutch that makes this make sense, but it is it is Everhard Johannes, slippery <laughs> slipper, um, a thirty-two year old assistant prosector of veterinary anatomy. Yeah, and we, so we'd go on to prosect the shit out of this. Uh, go <laughs> that is correct. Yes, so Everhard was born in Friesland in 1907. I've conquered that in some video games. Isn't Friesland like kind of they have sort it's of like a, a little north, right? Yeah, it's a little bit further north from Holland. And don't they have kind of like an independence movement sort of thing going on? Probably. It's like every two acres you find a new independence movement in fucking Europe. (laughs) That makes sense. So, Everhard, he wrote his PhD thesis on the comparative anatomy of... uh, I don't even know how to say this.
0: Sheons. Yeah, yeah, whatever. whales, and dolphins. Yes, on the comparative
1: anatomy of whales and dolphins, okay? And while E.J. was more famously known for that important work. He has a first name, a Christian name, and it's Everhard. While Everhard was famously known for... a couple things. More for his anatomy of whales. He did publish a book. You mean he just took photos of his own dog? It's like really hard to get over the Everhard thing. He published a book. There's a
0: vestigial bone in there. (laughs) He
1: he published a book and a couple of papers which described his studies of this goat. Right. And when the goat passed away not long after its one year birthday from an accident. That sounds
0: like the Mexican students (laughs) had to make some media, man. It's like, I don't know what that
1: accident was. Right. Um, But. There was some kind of accident, the goat passed away, and
0: Everhard was like, I'm dissecting this. Right, this is where the story takes a crazy left turn. We get lynchian with this baby.
1: Right, so basically, you know, he's dissecting this goat, and Everhard's the kind of dude who's definitely dissected goats before. Yeah, yeah. Right?
0: And instead of just being a goat, you know, with stunted forearms that would walk on its two legs... It's totally fucking different.
1: Right. So, on one hand, there were some changes to the goat that you might expect. For example, its back leg bones and back leg muscles were more developed. Right. And you'd be like, well, he was fucking hopping around on those all the time, right? You could imagine he'd build up those muscles, those bones would strengthen, right? Plausible. But there were other changes that seemed like more complex ideas in terms of how they're arranged in the body. He had the rearrangement of several tendons in locations in his legs and outside the legs in other muscle groups that you could plausibly think are related to walking bipedally. Right. It had extensive modifications to its pelvis shape in order to kind of better stand on its hind legs, and it had an S-curve to its spine. Right. Again, somewhat reminiscent of something like a kangaroo or some birds
0: and stuff like that. But kangaroos and humans have evolved for a long-ass time to have those shapes.
1: Right. I mean, that's what we would think, right? Clearly, evolution has been going on for a considerable amount of time. Right. Humans have been bipedal for a very long time, and it's sort of thought that evolution happens over the hundreds of thousands to millions of years and this is just a fucking a goat that adapted to not
0: having front legs right right so this really blows the lid off of quote-unquote science right (laughs) like this is pretty clear evidence of god touching an individual life (laughs) and saying you will walk I (laughs) (laughs) i mean let's let's take a quick break Okay, because we're going to see the ways that we've radically altered Sean's thinking <laughs> yeah, I'm so mad on at you. theology. I'm so mad. Oh my god. Yeah, let's take a break. I need to cool <laughs> off. <laughs> hey, Nathan. Uh, when was the last time you used the public restroom? Dude, I never again, man. I just shit in the bushes. Yeah, you know, that sounds like a pretty
1: good idea. Last time I tried to use one, it was in Venice Beach, and it was just like a mountain of syringes in the bowl. D-
0: did you poop? I mean, yeah, yeah, but I got the Pokebutt. Luckily, you're already addicted to heroin. So, <laughs> yeah. so it's besides the point, really. <laughs> Not a big lifestyle <laughs> It's kind of a win-win, actually. <laughs> but yeah, man, it, it makes me wish that there was like a Yelp app except for public restrooms. Well, luckily for you, man, we've got a new app we're pitching. And this one, guys, this is going to actually revolutionize your life. It's called Dung Hub. And it's where you can find all the information you need for shitting.
1: Yeah, so we got, we got crowdsourced rating on different public restrooms.
0: Because, you know, some of them, some of them are amazing. Some of them have incense, some of them have magazines. You're going to see that in user reviews uh, out of one to five stars. And then other ones have literal shit on the walls. Syringes in the toilet. Those ones, again, you're going to find user reviews. One star, two star. You're going to know which bathrooms to go to and which bathrooms to avoid. It's going to have a waitlist
1: service for the ladies' restroom so that you can go ahead and sign
0: up through the app on the waitlist before you get there so your wait is not as long. They're even starting to work with the industry to put QR codes on all bathroom products so you can actually scan a toilet you really like so that did something you can install when you're renovating your home. Instructions for how to install a bidet, ratings for nearby proctologists. It's got everything to do with butts and poop i you guys, this is the hub that's going to change your life. The app that's going to revolutionize your anus. It is Dung Hub. Download it. And finally, take that good public shit. So before we dig in deeper let's just rehash a couple theories of where species come from, right? Okay. Uh, one of them, of course, is that God made each individual life 6,000 years ago. Agreed. Okay? Now, that seems to be substantiated by this too. Like ago, but, but, let's <laughs> take a so step much. back. Kind what wrong. is the Neo-Dar, well, not Neo, what's our conventional Darwinian understanding of so,
1: evolution? So, there's a television show on Netflix called Love is Blind, <laughs> and in this television show, I think the premise of the show is that, like, people are putting these, like, pods, Yeah. And then, like, they can't see each other, but they can talk to each other. Right, And then it's supposed to be, like, you kind of figure out who you want to be with before you see each other. Right. And then you, like, propose to marry the person. Right, yeah. They accept, and then you're allowed to see them. Well, do you feel like this is what happened with our souls before birth? And then I, like, (laughs) epically trolled you, (laughs) and now you're stuck with me? That would be nice. But, no, actually, the reason why I brought it up is because one of the women in one of these conversations, they were just, like, talking about something, and then she was like, wait, 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 wait. Are you saying you believe in evolution?
0: I <laughs> was like, what? <laughs> and it turns out she's like a young Earth creationist, uh, exactly like you. You so- <laughs> <It's> disgusting. <laughs> No, I'm not. Uh, but uh, but uh, I'm not going to pop my load, actually. Yeah, okay. It's important for the audience to have this air of mystery about our about what I believe. Oh, I see. I see. Yeah. yeah yes, yeah, this yeah. is a part of the allure of your character. I'm like Joe Rogan, I'm just asking questions. Oh, shit. I'm just asking questions. You're a lot
1: like Joe Rogan. <laughs> yeah. Okay, but, uh, but, but anyway, yes. anyway, anyway. So we need to do a little bit of background information on, like, what are we even talking about with evolution, right? right. So we've talked a little bit in the past in some episodes about evolution but in a kind of very broad sense where do different species come from right right that's sort of on the origin of species is because we can tell that like looking at certain
0: different animals that they were related to each other but are clearly distinct from each other i mean to use that book some sparrows got on different islands they got geographically isolated at least relatively because you know you can imagine a bird could fly to the other island to fuck but like Come on, guys. We barely walk a block to get pizza, yeah. right? Like, birds fuck some dudes are lazy. their neighbor. Right? Yeah. And so the birds on the different islands fuck, and they kind of slowly adapt to the conditions of the particular island, and they over time, over a long time, turn into different species, right? Right. So that's the thought, right? Is that, like, you have yeah. some
1: kind of reproductive isolation. it's not isolation. a
0: theory. Let me love you. So <laughs> the like, audience doesn't know, but I'm touching my brother right now to calm him down. It's a
1: lot. So uh, there's this reproductive isolation, but then there's an idea that they do change their physical form. But like, what is the source of these physical form changes? Right. Right. Like, where does the ability to change your form come from? And like, what is this font? Of, like, physical creativity from nature. So, like, things can have so many different shapes and things like that. Right. Because there is this process in Darwinian evolution called natural selection. Right. right? The idea that the environment puts this kind of selective force, this pressure, on living things. Right.
0: And yet that has to be reconciled with how plastic our expression is. The variety of forms that we somehow come up with. Right. Right. And so, you know...
1: Darwin definitely synthesized these ideas about how the environment is putting this pressure on us and everything. And specifically the pressure that it's placing on us is on our form, on what's called the phenotype. Right. Because we didn't really know anything about DNA when Darwin was around. Right. right? Generally we speaking, it felt like a lot stuff people, was inherited. Yeah. Heritability
0: right? was kind of understood as going on. Yeah. Right. Because like, you know, you could see two ugly peasants made an ugly peasant. That's great. Two beautiful noble knights. <laughs> Had butt sex. Yes. I saw no that. women were knights. I've seen that documentation. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. I've been to the yeah, library. I've, I've read those
1: documents. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah. Basically, it wasn't until decades later with the discovery of the structure and function of DNA that the heritability part was kind of taken care of, right? right. Integrating DNA into natural selection and evolution resulted in what was called the Neo-Darwinian synthesis, Okay. And in that idea, we have these genes, and genes work together, sometimes in straightforward and sometimes complicated ways, to create our phenotype, our physical form, right? And it's those physical characteristics that interact with our environment. Yeah. And so, if there are selective forces, like we move to a place that's hotter, it's the heat affecting our physical form that we have some kind of fitness to. Some people are better at handling the heat than others, for example, that kind of thing, right? And so that's our interaction with phenotype, but at some point that must impact our genotype, right? And so that's the idea that, oh, different people have different alleles of genes, they're like slightly mutated, maybe some handle the heat better, they have more kids, and then their kids have more kids, and so on and so forth, until these mutations accumulate, etc. So, that's kind of the traditional view, is that the environment interfaces with our physical Form or phenotype. Right. And then the phenotype is hooked up to the genotype. Okay. Now, the thing is that selective pressures can come from different places, right? That natural selection, we are talking mainly about the environment, but there was sexual selection. We talked about that when we were talking about penises. Right. Right. And just because our genes play this really important role in creating our phenotype doesn't mean that two things that have the exact same genes...
0: Become exactly the same physical beings. Right. right. In fact, they can get pretty different. Right. Right. So. Like Havoc and Cyclops. Wow. Yeah. Wait, were they twins or just brothers? I guess they're just brothers. You're my brother. <laughs> you're, you're my brother, Havoc. All right. Havoc joined a Michigan militia. <laughs> yes, he did. Dude, that, is, that is 100% for sure. <laughs> yeah, that dude did that. Yeah, even Havoc is like a cringy white power name. Yeah. Uh, okay. <laughs> Havoc, brother. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Havoc company. Yeah, yeah, I just saw that he got convicted for January
1: 6th. <laughs> yes, he did. He got dragged outside in his underwear. Okay. Let's take a break. And when we come back, let's talk about how two things that are genetically the same can actually result in very different physical forms through a sort of decoupling of genotype and phenotype. Oh. Yes. The following is an actual advertisement.
0: there new friends this is ellen weatherford do you like animals do you enjoy arbitrarily rating things out of 10 can you tolerate puns if so join me and my husband christian over at just the zoo of us for a weekly review of your favorite animal species just the zoo of us is available on spotify itunes and other podcast apps you can find us at anchor.fm slash just the zoo of us see you soon Okay, guys, it's time to go from goats to
1: caterpillars. Yeah. So, there's a word from biology called polyphenism. Mm. And it describes basically what we were just saying, that you could have two genetically identical individuals, but because of some kind of interaction with their environment, they will physically end up different from each other.
0: It's kind of like if you took two twins, identical twins, and one of them you just, like, hammered on his arms and legs when he was a baby. Jesus. They would grow up different. They I mean, would literally true. look different. <laughs> no, just kidding. Let's cut wow. that. Wow. Let's cut it. Let's cut it. Let's cut it. Um, <laughs> uh, cut it.
1: <laughs> but you could see it all the time in insects, okay? A right. lot of these things are easier to talk about, not humans, because we start getting into very disturbing ideas about people if we start doing that. Right, so right, let's, right. let's talk about insects. Okay? Yeah. For example, caterpillars of the moth
0: Nemoria Arizonaria. Yeah. You guys should look that up. Yeah, You guys should look up photos of this, because it's pretty crazy. Some of them eat oak. Some of them don't. <laughs> well, they all eat oak. You fucked me! They all
1: live on oak trees. Fuck. Okay, But the thing is that this moth basically lays eggs in two batches during the year. Okay. And one batch, they hatch during the springtime. And when they hatch during the springtime, oak trees are flowering. Right. And so they'll actually have these little tiny flowers... And then the other batch of the caterpillars hatch during the summertime. Okay. Okay? Where there are no flowers anymore. Right. The springtime caterpillars eat those little flowers, and their bodies end up looking like little flower buds. Right. As camouflage. Okay. So what, are they just like a little bit dimmer in summer? No. So during summertime... They're eating the leaves. And instead, they will physically look entirely different. They will yeah. instead look like twigs.
0: Right, right, right. So their
1: color will be different.
0: The shapes of their body will be different. Like, down to little protrusions and stuff yeah. like that. And we're talking like a radical difference. I mean, it's like the difference between Tyler Perry and Medea. You would... Yeah. Like, <laughs> pretty damn different. God damn it.
1: You would think that they were two completely different species. When well, they're both Tyler Perry. God damn it. <laughs> <laughs> you would think that they were completely different species. Okay, right. But... They are the same species, and they could be genetically basically the
0: same, right? It could be from the same parent moth. Well, when you first started saying genetically, you kind of like hit the G a little bit, and I thought you were saying, genetically ginormous! (laughs) I don't know why. I just... (laughs) Wow, genetically ginormous! (laughs) Okay,
1: so there's no genetic variability in these caterpillars that explains their different form. Instead, in this case... All their physical differences are due to what they eat in the first few days of their lives. Wow. Okay. So if they're eating those flowers versus if they're eating those leaves from the same fucking tree. Interesting. In the first few days. There's some kind of chemical difference that will make it so that their bodies will develop in very
0: different ways. Right. And there's an important nuance here where like you could imagine if like a monarch caterpillar eats milkweed and so it grows poisonous over time. This is different. This is like whatever chemical they ingest or whatever chemical difference they register in the first few days actually expresses their genes differently. So like if you took one of these caterpillars that was eating flower buds after three days and fed it twigs the whole rest of time, it would still develop like it looked like it was eating flower buds.
1: Yes, yes. Okay, that's kind of interesting. And it's
0: no other variable.
1: So, at first, they were like, okay, well, spring and summer, there's temperature differences, there's humidity differences. So, they tested out all these other things. None of them changed the form like this. Right. But if you took caterpillars born in the springtime and only fed them leaves, they would turn into the twig form.
0: Okay, so. And vice versa. And, guys, it's like Pokemon. You're yeah. like, whee,
1: there's a like cloud, like and it turns into
0: a twig form. Yes. <laughs> you get it, you're going to be a twig form. Yeah. <laughs> no, but I mean, so something's happening that triggers their alleles to change or to, to be expressed differently. Right, so what ends
1: up happening, and I do want to say, from a certain distance, people understand this, I think, pretty straightforwardly. Okay? Right. In the sense that, like we all know that you could be born a certain way and then be living your life in one direction versus another direction. And the environment will change people in lots of different ways, right? right? And so we understand, we call it, you know, the nature versus nurture thing. And I think the the modern consensus is that nature and nurture are melded together. And that, sure, genes matter, but also your environment matters and people can end up being very drastically different if their environment's different. Yeah, but what
0: we're talking about is like, you know, if you took a Korean baby... And you fed him Gouda for three days when he's a baby, there's different genes in there that are like, oh, shit, we're in the Netherlands. And he grows to be like six foot two. Or if you give him just Kim, it's like, oh, we're still in Korea. We don't have to worry about about that. (laughs) And then the genes get expressed and he's like five foot seven. Right? It's like we have the same genes. We're genetically identical. Because we're one of those rare identical twins where I got born four years later. And, <laughs> and yet I, uh, because of mistakes I made as a child, <laughs> ate too many chicken nuggets. Oh my God. And gosh. now I'm three shorter than you. Wow, that's
1: beautiful. That's beautiful. But so, I, <laughs> so, you know, what's going on here is the fact that genes do have a result on your phenotype. Right. But to say that they control your physical form right. is... It diminishes the role of the environment. Right. And the environment can play a considerable role in, yes, how genes are expressed, but also the products of those genes, proteins, how those proteins are working, what things those proteins are interacting with. So there's so many downstream effects between your genes and your phenotype. right, That the environment has a lot of places to play a role. And you can see that really drastically in insects, but- it probably is playing a role in everything. Okay. And certainly Dutch goats. <laughs> and so, you know, maybe this is all slightly confusing, but the main point is that there are these selective pressures from the environment, right? Natural selection. And some of those pressures can be answered with changes to our bodies, changes to our form that are not genetic changes. Mm. That individuals have some plasticity in the way that their bodies are. Yeah. And those things can meet the challenges of the environment. Right. And that might make it so that evolution ends up working a little bit different. Right. Because we kind of think of evolution as being a direct response... Like immediately, right. You know, it takes a long time, but like it's actually responding to the environment. But our phenotype might sometimes be a buffer, right, between us
0: and the environment, right? Something that actually can change easier than we thought, right? It's almost like in social sciences or something, the broader structure of Russian history is to repeatedly invade things. <laughs> But it requires certain punctuated moments of Putin to actually (laughs) invade things. Uh, You know, and it's like evolution is the broader structure of change over a long period of time, but... There's a lot of plasticity mm. in individual moments. How can something that sounds so much like Putin be evil? <laughs> Putin is evil. Right? <laughs> Putin is like Putin in 2003. Wow. Right? Because it's okay. getting in you. Okay. Okay. Right? <laughs> <laughs> you think he's just, oh, he's just another Russian oligarch. He just kills uh. some people. No, he's getting in there, bro. <laughs> Putin kills you slowly. <laughs> I mean, if you think about the rate at which Putin kills a man, it's about 30 years. It's well, actually true. a lot that's like <laughs> the development a of Russia. That. That's almost exactly the same as Putin. <laughs> it's basically
1: <laughs> post-Cold War Russia. <laughs> I think we figured this out. <laughs> uh, okay. <laughs> so look, when we think about how things evolve, one set of circumstances we think about are like animals moving to a new environment or something, right? right? And there's a new set of pressures. And in high school biology, if we were thinking about evolution, it would be that over time... Some individual animals would be better suited to, like, that new environment. Right. They're more fit. They're fitter than the others. Yeah. And they would have more kids. And those kids, some would be fitter than others, and they would pass yeah. on their genes more and so on. It's
0: weird to think about the kids that you grew up with who are dead. And oh, so yeah. they're not passing up, passing oh, yeah. off genes. Like, yeah. there's this one kid I know who died of a drug overdose. I didn't really know him that well. I just in Spanish class. I, I think I threw his stuff in a tree once. Oh. And Wait, he's dead now? Yeah, he's deceased, yeah. Oh, he, like, shit. died of an overdose. Whoa! Of a heroin overdose, I think, like, Whoa, several years ago. Whoa, this became serious. Meanwhile, one of them's Dylan O'Brien, you know? <laughs> and that, that guy's passing off his jeans, you know? <laughs> Isn't that crazy? The world is complicated. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yes, yes. Um, so, look. <laughs> Has anyone died from your graduating class? Uh, I don't
1: keep track of them that closely. <laughs> 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 what? So... And so on, you know, like there are these generations, generations passing, mutations happening here and there that are good, rarely, and shitty, most of the time. Right. right? And over a long time, these genes would become changed and the proteins they make are changed so that the physical form of these animals would then change to better suit their environment, right? But there is an alternative idea, conceptualized very convincingly by Mary Jane West Eberhard, which... Wow. What is up with that, right? Because that's part of her last name. But Eberhard, that's basically Eberhard, but someone at Ellis Island was like, I don't want to be Eberhard
0: anymore. Yeah, yeah, right? yeah. You yeah, know yeah. what I mean? Wow. In fact, aren't V's and B's interchangeable in some languages? I think so. They probably said Eberhard, yeah. but Eberhard. And they're like, yep, Eberhard, <laughs> got, Eberhard. got it. Nailed I mean, it, it can't be Eberhard. It's like, move along, <laughs> folks. Anyway, Mary Jane...
1: West Eberhard, is this idea that individual animals actually have phenotypic plasticity. They actually have some flexibility in terms of what their bodies are going to be like, especially during development. Right. Right? Like, us adults,
0: our bodies are shit. Right. It's over for us, right? Right. But during... So we're not plastic anymore? I mean, you're a little plastic. I guess I'm a few years less plastic? (laughs) Or
1: more plastic? The earlier on in development we're talking about... The more leeway there right.
0: is to be able to kind of mix things up and react to your environment. Right. That's why, like, early pregnancy matters so much, right? Yeah. Well, there's a lot of reasons, I imagine. Yeah,
1: but I do think that that is a big part of it. Right. And that is also why there's so many concerns about, like, oh, does this thing have some right. kind of chemical that can mess up development and right. things like that? So. Basically, there is an ability to adapt to feedback from the environment. Right, that's interesting. And change your form. And, you know, for example, you can see that in some of the sex determination in things like lizards, right? Right. That sometimes things like temperature can change whether or not a fetus is going to develop into a male or a female. Interesting. But also in fish, for example, when we were talking about sex determination in fish, some fish. The sex of that fish will be kind of chosen based off of how many other males or females there are in the population, right? It'll right. be like self balancing. That's that. smart.
0: You know, I actually think that that was the basis of the one child policy, is for the sake of science. The CCP was like, well, let's experiment with this. Wow. We know infanticide is going to kill off a lot of female babies. And so we can see if we just like will start to produce more females to test phenotypic plasticity. And it turns out that is not one expression of it in humans. Not how people work. Yeah. Okay. Too bad. But but <laughs> well, it's good that the CCP did this for be. the sake of human science. You cannot be on that side. I'm
1: not. <laughs> no. not allowed. Um, so, you know, in that sense, in these individuals, the change in phenotype is not tied down to a corresponding change in the genome. Okay? Right. We're not talking about genetic mutations. Yes. We're talking about changing your form based off of the environment. Before there's any change to your genome. So in that right. case, the animals could be adapting to their new environment before they actually
0: evolve to be better suited to that environment. That's right? smart. Did You know what's so funny about that is that sounds like a good idea. But people, you know, it's so easy to become dogmatic. Uh, people yes. have this kind of like half understood, or, or well, in, in, I guess in the defense of folks, like our understanding of evolution has changed over time. But like people have this very structured dogmatic understanding of how evolution works and natural selection because it's also so tied in with social darwinism whereas in reality there's probably a lot of plasticity built into this which makes sense because we confront new environments all the time yeah and honestly a lot of the
1: dogmatic element of it is in part because of lamarckian evolution
0: yeah and it was a very famously schmucky dude <laughs> yeah and lamarck Amongst
1: many controversial opinions, yeah. felt that animals were continuously evolving upward into more perfect forms with humans kind of at the pinnacle of it. Yeah, and Donald Trump at the highest pinnacle of that <laughs> yeah. for a low That is that is for sure. <laughs> but that basically that animals as they lived their lives changed. Right. And then those changes were kind of inherited by their offspring, right? Right. And so the idea was that evolution was happening in like real time, in the moment in individuals right right? and that
0: turns out to be probably pretty wrong
1: right right i mean just even based on how quickly dna mutates or something like that like it's not possible for that to
0: be what's happening right right instead it's like you inherit a certain amount of dna basically right and there's a plasticity in how it's expressed in your lifetime but that doesn't necessarily impact what gets passed on to the next generation right so i think the stigma of lamarckian evolution in the idea that, he's that the like, Dorcas, right? Well, I mean, the the real stigma is that Lamarck sucks, and and Darwin, you know, Darwin had it.
1: Yeah, but it, it made it so that any idea that was like, well, maybe it's not just DNA, or you know, like that, like that something else could be happening
0: outside of that. Right. There was a lot of stigma around that. I see what you're getting at. Is like West Eberhard, and what we've been discussing today, is not really in contrast to Lamarckian evolution so much as these are both theories. That complicate Darwinian evolution, but west Eberhardt's, or our developing a modern understanding of phenotypic plasticity is more nuanced than Lamarckian evolution is more accurate and reflects the truth of it, and is maybe overcoming that stigma of complicating Darwinian evolution.
1: Right, and you know I should say that West-Eberhard is working within the context of Darwinian evolution and does not see herself as, like, overturning
0: it right. so much as refining it, right? Yeah, unlike, Whereas, unlike you know, people like, like me. You, you, yeah, Yeah, yeah exactly. like Catholic theologians. <laughs> I can't give Joe Biden the Eucharist. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God. I forgot that was a thing. Okay. <coughs> Stuff happened
1: since then. But, yes. So, the idea, like, with our goat, right, is that there are a lot of adaptations physically that our bodies can make Two different environmental stressors. So right. in this case, there was probably, potentially, a genetic issue with the goat that made it so that its front arms didn't develop properly. Right. But then after that, it was not a genetic response that led to changes in the spine's curvature and stuff. Right. That was all phenotypic changes right. in kind of relation to the environment, in relation to the gravity stresses on its yeah. body, different stresses on the bones, and all of that, if that goat had kids probably none of that would get passed on to the kids. Right, right, right. So it would
0: not be a genetic thing at that point. Right. I mean, that's what's kind of amazing about this is this is an, a kind of a, a really important and incredible nuancing of our ideas of natural selection and evolution. But if you look past dogma, it's actually very intuitive. Yeah, yeah. Um, it almost slaps you in the face how intuitive it is.
1: Right, and I think that that's, You know, I have no idea how listeners are coming at this episode in terms of how they intuitively live in the world and understand our interactions with environments. (laughs) I'm not getting vaccinated. (laughs) That's that's their intuition. so, So for some people, this might not seem all that out there. Right. But it actually does represent a kind of paradigm shift in that it tweaks the interplay between our biology and the environment. And it also tweaks our understanding of the timescales during which we could see changes in animals. Because a lot of species could react to their environment faster than their genes probably do. Right. And so that could mean good and bad things yeah. in terms of global warming and stuff like that. But yeah. it, I think that's a that's a kind of understanding of that fundamental process I mean, of evolution. Basically,
0: we don't have to actually worry about global warming. <laughs> because the animals, they, they'll, they'll be it. fine, right? They, they'll compulsion. deal with it. You oh, know what God. I mean? <laughs> like, uh, I'm so mad at you. Like, like, uh, like we, <laughs> look, a, we need to decrease <laughs> our dependence on Russian oil, Sean. Well, we need to frack. No! I don't know what to tell you, baby. We got all of oklahoma <laughs> frack that bitch <laughs> that, oh that's God. a whole interesting subject you know i read this really interesting and sad and depressing article about the interdependence of food networks uh-huh. and how like russia is the number one reproducer in the world ukraine's the fifth largest wheat producer in the world and you know for us it's like hey baby we got iowa but egypt sub-saharan africa Get this, the Egyptian government for decades now has subsidized a certain amount of bread to, like, a single equivalent of a pound there and not inflated the price such that you can buy, like, six loaves of bread for, like, 30 cents there. And that shit is about to hit the shit fan. And it has all these downstream effects, right? There's all these like oils, vegetable oils that are produced in Russia and Ukraine. Just by virtue of that being cut out, that's gonna increase the price of palm oil in West Africa. And that commodity surge is gonna also blast the Middle East. And so I think what you're gonna start seeing are all these downstream Arab Spring-style revolutionary events by which I, and I don't necessarily mean that in a positive sense. I mean that merely in a destabilizing sense. Um, Totally crazy, man. Yeah, it's like a whole fucking system of interconnected shit. Yeah, yeah. It, it turns out global trade was always bad. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, just, just, War's bad. Yeah. People gotta stop invading stuff. Yeah, come on, Poutine. Yeah, yeah, you yeah. Son of a bitch. <laughs> <laughs> anyway. <laughs> okay. Anyway, guys. So guys, that's crazy. Um we obviously didn't talk about the alternate theory to all this, which is God in the gaps. And it turns out that Uh, You know, God makes you who you are. But we won't discuss that today. That's for the next episode. We talk about God colon. Uh, You know, you and Jesus. no, I think that's God's colon
1: sounds like a good episode. (laughs) God's colon. The world. (laughs) Russia. (laughs) God's colon. Yeah.
0: Where'd the world come from, mommy? (laughs) Question mark. God's colon. (laughs) Alright, All right, let's take a let, break. Let's let,
1: take a break. We're take a week-long episode. break. Yeah, okay. Let's say thank you to Stacy Song, our sound lord and engineer. Who, thank you, Stacey. Well, I had to, or Nathan had to wake up today we because to she was up. sleepy, And, you know, that was mean of us, but whatever. Yeah. Sometimes it happens. Sometimes it's gotta happen. Okay, and then also we're saying thank you to Brian Allen for artwork. Mm-hmm. And we're thanking Street Griff. Thank Street Griff. He's done some stuff. He's done some stuff. And you know what? That's nice. Yeah. Anyway, guys. And thank then, you for joining. Oh, yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah, 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 yeah. Email address, PetriDishPod at gmail.com. Twitter, at DishPodcast. Patreon.com slash PetriDish. And yep, we'll see y'all next time. See you next time. Bye. <laughs>